General Jim Mattis, 40 years in the U.S. Marine Corps. <clears throat> How do you keep improving as a leader to meet the demand of each role in your career? We all get promoted, you have different roles to play. How do you stay teachable as a leader? I think the most important thing here, uh, Joel, is that you have to assume you must keep improving. If you make that your decision, that you must improve, if you look at every week in the Marine Corps as your last week of peace, and you must be better at the end of this week as a warfighter, then you'll push yourself on your three-mile run down to 18 minutes, and you'll accept no excuses. You'll push yourself 21 pull-ups, and you'll accept no excuses. You'll push yourself to read the Commandant's reading list. You'll push yourself that when the things are going tough in the field, you keep your spirit up and you're the man everyone can turn to knowing that you don't give up. And you just keep improving every day with the assumption that if you're gonna lead more Marines in the future as you get promoted, they expect you to be the physically toughest, the mentally sharpest and the spiritually just the uh, most undiminished person that nothing, not cold, not rain, not enemy situation, not frustrating rules can get you down. And you just maintain this body, mind and spirit improvement at all times. You stay teachable most by reading books, by reading what other people went through. I can't tell you the number of times I looked down at what was going on on the ground, or I was engaged in a fight somewhere, and I knew within a couple of minutes how I was gonna screw up the enemy. And I knew it because I'd done so much reading, I knew what I was going to do, because I'd seen other similar situations in the reading, I knew how they'd been dealt with successfully or unsuccessfully. And so long as you continue along this line, so long as you remember somebody on the other side is watching, hoping, that you're not at the top of your game, that you're not reading, that you're not working out, that you're not strong spiritually, then they're gonna think they've got you. You wanna always be the toughest, the sharpest out there. Globalrecon.net, giving you the matter of facts. Welcome to the Global Recon Podcast. I'm your host, John Hendricks. I'm on with Chantel Taylor, my co-host, and Brian Myers, uh, one of the founders of Raise the Black. Uh, how's it going, everybody? Hey, John. Hey, John. Doing good. All right. So we just had uh, Memorial Day just passed. Um, and Memorial Day in the United States is a day where we honor uh, those war veterans who were killed in action in all wars past that, that any Americans ever fought in. And uh, it's a day that a lot of... A lot of guys I see are veterans, are retired, active duty. It could be a dark time, but at the same time, I think it's not what any of those guys who fell in battle would want for anybody they sacrificed for. And it's just something that with, through the podcast and through what we're going to talk about, I would hope to kind of add a, a, a positive spin to it, you know? Oh, 100%, man. And, uh, you know, that's exactly the sentiment that I had when I was sitting on the roof my first day here. Uh, I really, first day here was Memorial Day, and I didn't want to sit there and dwell because it, the guys, didn't, they would never want that. I would never want that if it was my course uh, or my time. And 
So I wanted to live, you know, take that step forward and do something positive and inspiring in honor of those guys, right. men and women. Right. So, so Brian, before we jump into what you're doing, can we just give a quick little bit of background on yourself, what, what you did in the, in the military and whatnot? Yeah, I was, uh, I was a Green Beret. Um, I worked uh, at 3rd Special Forces Group my entire career. Uh, spent most of my time, or, or half, half my time at 1st Battalion, and then the rest of my time in B-23 with the SIF. And, uh, you know, I went over to Afghanistan five times and uh, Iraq three times. And the uh, Iraq deployments is what brings me here now. Awesome. Okay. And right now you're over in Iraq. What are you guys doing over there? Uh, right now, I'm actually living with the ISOF guys in a safe house on the outskirts of Missoula. Um, hanging out with them, you know, spreading the message of Raise the Black for the guys. Because so, a lot of the guys are aware of it, but they don't really understand the intent of it. And that's the purpose of bringing all the stuff over that uh, all of our great supporters have purchased for the guys. So I brought it over personally, handed it out, um, and get the message across and explain to them what we're doing and why we're doing it. And it has been a great reception so far. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see their smiles, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so so Chantel, over in the UK, uh, you guys have your own version of Memorial Day, right? Yeah, we do, yeah. It's um, it's Remembrance Day, John, so it's uh, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And um, it was uh, it started off the official end of hostilities of World War One, um, and that was back, obviously, in 1918. But ours, yeah, it's, it's very much, it's a day of reflection for us. So they, they do all of the sort of very formal parades, and then it's, it's a chance for um, veterans to march through um, London or their respective um, places where they come from. I mean, and it usually ends up in, I guess, a celebration, but sometimes you're right, it can, I think for some, it, it, it sort of historically could have got a bit dark where, yeah, you know, they sort of drink themselves to oblivion, and and I'm very much, you know, and I try and keep it light. So I always feel like I'd rather, for for me personally, that you know, the friends that I've lost, and just out of respect for them, I you know, I just like to keep it, keep it respectful, you know, and just it's a, like for me, it's a time of reflection, and even a, a little bit more actually, it's it's also a time of reflection of service. It's not, we call it Remembrance Day, but it's a, it's a chance to maybe you know, think about your own service and just just remember those that went before you and kind of honour honor what they did. Because a lot of the time, I think we're very much a representation of them and how that kind of warrior ethos has kind of gone from many years before, you know? Right. Yeah, and it's, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up, that specific bit, because, you know, I think what Brian is doing now kind of embod yeah, embodies that. I know. You know? It and, really does. And, it, and the way that he's... You know, taking it a stage further and and going over to these guys that have been trained specifically by um, forces that have been over there. A lot of the time, people don't see that. They see, oh, the Americans or the Brits. You know, we've gone here and there, but they don't see what you've done. And and hopefully that I, I hope that this this brings that out and yeah, and, and, I, and people can see. I think so too, and that's what I love about it is they they see that it's a full circle and. Yeah. You know, you can't help but feel abandoned. Uh, I've actually had that exact conversation over the last couple of days with these these guys. And, you know, there's a sense of, like, 
uh, abandonment again of, okay, you were just going to stay with us and then y'all left. And they, okay. they understand that it's not our choice, but at the same time, you still, you can't help but feel down about it. And for us to show up and I explained to the, uh, to the, and I was talking to the commanders and the guys here, and I, I was explaining that everything that we're doing is backed by the old uh, B-23 guys and the old uh, SF guys and how they are desperately wanting to be a part of this and to show that love and, and their bond and that their commitment is there. And a lot of the things we've done, everything we do is backed by them. We all have, we have a group chat that we – we send out ideas and we talk about it and to be able to express that, Hey, we know what happened and that's why we're here. And this is us keeping that commitment. And it's very important that they understand that. And it was a beautiful thing to see that the smiles come across their face because they instantly understood what we were saying and why we're doing this. And that this is for the families because I can't come over here and buy you weapons. I can't come over here and train you um, due to, you know, regulations. However, I can come over here and support your families. I can come over here and support you you all and show you that we care and you know i get messages on almost an hourly basis of former b23 guys uh uh saying how jealous that i'm here and wish that they could be here and sending in their love and uh it's been a beautiful thing to be able to say hey look so-and-so just messaged me and or going through hours of uh hours of conversations with these uh, the soft guys here, the old school guys, looking at their phones and saying, "Hey, do you know who this is?" And uh, "Hey, where's this guy at now?" And "What's he doing?" It, it's a beautiful. It, it's a true family, and it's important that that we get, and they don't feel abandoned. And this is showing them that they're not. And it, uh, it it's really really impressive. Yeah, and I think even on that note, you know, when you the the, the amount of hours that you've spent with them previously. And even the even guys that you haven't, but they've had that experience with other teams, then it's it's almost um, that doesn't just like get, that's not just gone away. And because your deployment ended, or because um, your specific unit um, the mission was changed, and it, obviously as soldiers, it's not up to us where we go. We're sent. So I think that's re- it's really important what you're doing. That and the fact that they're reacting like that is is even better because I think it's there is a certain bond between warriors soldiers that. It's very hard to put into words, isn't it? Oh, very much. And it was, you know, I spent the morning here, you know, I sit on this rooftop and I was like, how am I going to do? I, I can't just sit here and dwell. I'm, I'm interact. I have a purpose. So awesome. this morning I went to uh, doing some assessments, trying to figure out how I can bring back my foundation and to do some good. But then I spent the rest of the day with the ISOC guys in the front lines and mm-hmm. You know, I handed out the flags and I explained what was going on to them. And I spent Memorial Day uh, this year trying to do something positive and to honor the guys. So I left out of uh, our camp here. And the first thing I did was I headed out and uh, checked out one of the screening points for the refugees. And it's where they first come in after they've been checked and screened for uh Suicide bombs, unfortunately, that's one of the bigger threats uh, ISIS used in them. And that once they're done there, they're moved to another point for screening. So I went there to see what they needed, uh, did an assessment to see how I could possibly help. Uh, went and bought a bunch of candies for the kids and uh, handed those out to them. It, it was crazy to see the 
you saw all the pain in these people's eyes and then uh, get that little brief second of, of happiness and showing that love and respect. And then from there, uh, I spent the entire rest of the, the day on Memorial Day with the ISOF guys at the front lines. And uh, all we did all day was, you know, we spoke about it was kind of slow, not, not many attacks. And we spent the entire day reminiscing about the uh, B-23 and the old guys. And uh, you know, I, I talked to him about Major Ali and I brought the, the Build-A-Bears for them, uh, his daughters. And, you know, the idea was getting out there, helping people and honoring our guys that we lost. Because, you know, we talked about the guys that we lost in ISOF. Uh, as we talked about, about the Americans that we lost during the war uh, from B-23 and you know it was a way of getting out there and being like you you know like we talked about being positive and and honoring these men instead of sitting back because they, they don't want us to sit back and, and be upset they would want us to live our lives and what better way to get out there and live our lives by doing the things that they believed in and they believed in changing the world they, they believed in freeing the oppressed and even though I'm not in the military anymore, this is the way I can still give back and honor them is coming over here and keeping that commitment and showing that the guys behind, you know, back in the, in the States are still behind them and that we still love them. And our commitment is true. And it is very, they responded very well. Uh, the smiles on their face are priceless to know that we're still here. And, uh, every single one of them supported the raise the black, you know, they were all grabbing the patches and the stickers and they mm -hmm. love it because it's theirs. And, then all day today, I'm seeing different guys. I'm getting pictures on Facebook of these guys are taking the pictures with their ISOF patches. And it's really cool to see it catching on. And, you know, it all builds off that honor of what we were doing together. And that's how I was giving back. For me, that was my way of honoring our brothers and sisters on Memorial Day. And that's the thing, Brian, is that when, when you made a really good point there of, you know, you may have taken off um, a certain type of uniform, but it doesn't stop there, you know, because people leave the military for all different kinds of reasons, whether their time's up or whether their life's moving in a different direction. But it doesn't mean you stop serving. And exactly. I think sometimes people, that they it's not to say they don't understand that. Maybe they don't. And why should they? But it's just you made a really valid point of it doesn't stop there. You know, I don't think you really ever stop being a soldier of, you know, of um, whichever country you, you kind of hail from, you know. Exactly. And, and the network that's here, there's a ton of veterans that are over here that uh, I guess once I finally came over, I, I passed the test and I'm here. So they've been reaching out and let me know that, you know, I'm not about to talk. You know, yeah. I, I actually I came over. So it was really cool to, to see everybody reach out and say, hey, man, I'm on this side of town or I'm in this part of the yeah. country if you need anything. So uh, it's really cool to see, like you said, it's a very valid point that these you know, just because we don't have the uniform on, still it committed, doesn't mean we're not yeah, doing stuff. Still 100% yeah. committed, yeah, to stuff that you do. And sometimes, like, you, you made the point, I think, um, when we spoke um, before, is that it's not our fault that governments change, you know, um, foreign policy changes. That's the that's decisions we people like us on the ground don't make. Exactly. So, and, and we obviously follow orders, but still, it doesn't mean it's it's frustrating, you know, that you have to leave places where you've you've built built up some sort of relationship with the people. A, you're either protecting, or B, that you're working alongside. 
Exactly, and it's nothing against the politicians. We understand that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Far level, far, far more levels above us. However, they don't have that ground commitment that we do. We have to look no. these men and in, in, in the women in uh, the face and say, "Hey, we're with you. We create these bonds with these people." And it's yeah. it's not easy for us to just turn that off. And you know, you wouldn't want soldiers that could just turn it off and. and yeah, be it'd be very clinical, wouldn't it? There's a time yes. and place for clinical, and that's not the, for when you're on the ground. It, you kind of, especially when you're living and working amongst, um, like men and women from the, from the country that you're you're supposed to be liberating. You you do build up bonds. It's just I think that's just human nature. I'm glad that we have that. Yes, I, I agree 100. It's it's a little piece of the humanity that we can yeah. all keep. Yeah, definitely. And we, and we need that too. You know, you do, if you're a long way from home, it's fine that we can all switch off and do our jobs. That's great. But you still need to have, you still need, um, you still like to feel that you're there and people are happy that you're there. You, know, you exactly. may improve their exactly. life for a day. Yeah. And, and Brian, so now that you've been able to meet up with ISOF and you're able to, exchange and, and give them some of these items, the Razor Black items, and, and help out with the refugees. I know from the time that ISOF was stood up, probably a little over 10 years, do, do you still see some of the same guys that were there from the beginning when you guys first started uh, standing up that unit? Yes, uh, and that was one of the things that really got the buy-in. Um, it's funny that you bring it up because we've talked about it while we were here. There's very, very few of the original guys left, uh, mainly due to uh, loss of life, unfortunately. Uh, as a lot of people don't understand that ISOF was never meant to do the role they're doing. Uh, right. But what's imp- what is impressive, and I, I love and respect it more than I could ever express, is the way they adapted. The one thing that they really learned from the SF community was adaptability and thinking outside the box. And they show it through and through every single day with their actions. Right. These men are extremely intelligent, extremely experienced. Uh, Colonel Archon, one of the guys, uh, commanders here that I've been, uh, had the privilege, uh, privilege of talking to on a daily basis is one of the most intelligent and clever officers I've ever met in my entire life, period. U.S. included. When you guys were standing that unit up, you had told the story on a previous episode that you came on where you guys went into Sadr City. Uh, and at the time, that was probably one of the most dangerous places to be on the planet. And it was a lot of direct action, nighttime rage type of stuff, uh, really like spec ops type of stuff. But from what I understand, with the transition into fighting ISIS and, and what they've done and what they're currently doing, is they've kind of switched into more of a traditional infantry role versus that yes. special operations role, you know? Yep, and it, and they knew something had to happen. Uh, the Iraqi army was still trying to find its feet, um, as, as we all expected. So they relied heavily on ISOF, and that's why the attrition rate was so bad. Um, however, they did it, and they accomplished it. And, you know, that was with the old school guys here that I did get to meet already uh, or, or see again. Anyway, uh, some of them I didn't know. Um, so, you know, I worked the commandos more than I did uh, ICTF. I just hung out with the ICTF with the B23 friends of mine, but I still knew these guys. And uh, it was cool because a lot of them was like, how'd you get here? And how do you know TJ, which is the JTAC that uh, has been an amazing asset and friend now. 
Uh, oh, I, I was know, like, hey, um, I met, I'm, yeah, I know yeah, you're Ibrahim. talking about. Yeah, Ibrahim, yeah. Yeah, and I met him on Instagram. I didn't know this guy before any of this. However, just like uh, I did Ibrahim, he did, uh, to me, we vetted through all the old guys. And, you know, I'd be like, because I, I was talking to a lot of people here in Iraq to figure out my movement. And I realized, like, hey, <laughs> I don't really know any of these people. And I really don't feel like showing up in an orange jumpsuit <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I should start checking some stuff. And uh, so I was able to use the old guys to vet each other. And uh, it sounds silly, but I was like, man, you know, this I, I, I can't really jump into this. But I was able to use the old guys. They vetted it. They they were interested in what we were doing. And then yesterday, man, it was just or uh, um, uh, Memorial Day. It was it was just hanging out with all the old dudes. And every single one of them was like, "Hey, do you remember Dirty or do you remember uh, Jeremiah or Eric or any of the old guys?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And we're going through pictures, and I'm on Facebook, and it was really cool. And uh, I got to learn about where you know the the steps through. Uh, how they progress to where they're at. You know, ISOF has cleared every major city for the most part in Iraq. Right. And uh, they did all the heavy lifting. And they started in the West and they have just been kicking ass nonstop. And Which it's is really, a beautiful that's thing. Yeah, it's brilliant news. And you, again, you've, you've just raised another good point about, you know, and you're right about the due diligence side about doing your stuff before you go out there. But people, you know, that aren't of, of the sort of um, military community might not understand that. Say, I, I'd worked in Baghdad for four years, and I know our advanced teams that were, you know, predominantly um, Iraqi special forces. Shukran, I, could, I could, I could, I could call one of them up now. What's that? And okay, is he is he waiting? Yeah. Okay. Is that you? Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, let me jump off. Sorry. Yeah, no, to, cool. Uh, no worries. Uh, the gen- general's waiting, so. Uh, I will call y'all in probably 15, 30 minutes. Will do. All right, Brian. Okay, so Brian had to step off quickly. Um, Brian is in Mosul right now. It's an active war zone, so we understand that getting on beforehand that he may have to just get off quickly, but it's possible that he'll be able to get back on. If he does, then I'll just add him into the call, and, and we'll continue rolling. Hey, so Santel, yeah, yeah, you can go ahead and um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to bring into my little story that I was uh, that I found a dollar. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was a delayed delayed laugh there, John. No, seriously. So back to the point I was making yeah, was um, I know that for, <laughs> for instance, I could call up um, you know, friends that I know very well in in Baghdad now, and they could take me anywhere in Baghdad safely. Because you know, no one quite knows the atmospherics and the the culture more than the the guys that are there on the ground. And those guys have, have served like for many many years. And that that was my point is that the trust that you build up is um is something else. And I, I I'm quite doubtful that say that our civilian counterparts at home would understand that because you think oh it could be dead they could you could get stitched up. But that some of those guys you know they they mean it. You know when when that trust issue comes up is that's it. They'd very much die for the cause, um, just the same as we would. Right, and you know, it's it's something that Brian has said before. Uh, I think yeah. he said it earlier, and then po- possibly on the previous podcast. But you know, there's kind of a difference. Like, uh, I mean, like, look, if you're in a war zone and you're fighting, you know, you're fighting. But 
it has a different flavor if you're fighting like for the survival of your own country. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, it does. Kind of goes to show that ISOF really took the most important lessons that they could from the, these Green Berets who were out there training them uh, back in 06. And because, you know, as you know, Iraq is split up by different religious sets and um, yeah, yeah. different beliefs and all that. And, and it's really a problem. The violence could get pretty bad there. And, and it was really flaring up during the height of the Iraq war. But ISOF is really a mixture of uh, Sunnis, uh, Shias, uh, Kurds up in the north, and then some of the smaller minority groups in Iraq. And they kind of just blended together and became this, this really effective fighting force. And that's a really unique thing. You know, that's a unique thing that's happened there. And, and who knows, you know, if, like if best case scenario, if, if we get some sort of again the victory in Iraq and if the Iraqis, along with the support of everyone else, can do it themselves, then that those units will then, you know, his, as time goes on, they're going to start to... I'm not saying come in line because they're fighting extremely hard. It's not just—I don't mean that that to say that they'll basically come, they'll progress, they'll progress far better. Do you know what I mean? Because they would have, right. they would have been on this journey together. And let's face facts, you know, it's been a, a pretty shitty journey. You know, I don't think anyone was in any rush to leave Iraq. But that's again, like we said, foreign policy is not—that's way above our pay scales. But um, it'll be interesting to see, and let's hope. You know that that when the peace does come, that is cherished and it's and then because they know how hard they fought for it, right? And and and, that, and the, my my point is is you know if you look back at our sort of our world wars of the, you know the great wars one and two, th- those generations knew how hard it was, and so and and so soldiers of today have tried to carry that forward and uh, and I'd like to think that my generation and and the generation you know of Americans that are going through the same stuff. We still feel that, you know, it sort of runs through us. But as time goes on, you know, you'd hope that it doesn't lessen any. Right. You know, you kind of in those the Great Wars, the yeah. the fate of the world was was at stake, you know, and yeah. And but then the and and that's what's happening now, but just in a different area. Because if you think about it, right, that whole right. region, you know, Middle East, North Africa, Asia, um, the where Afghanistan sits, all of that area that. If if that doesn't progress, it's, it can only get worse. You know, something needs to give. It needs to. There needs to be an end, an end game, an end state, for that to either move forward or fucking stop. You know. And it's it is a big problem. I think with the success of, that ISOF could have in Iraq in defeating yeah, ISIS, a game changer. I, and it could be, and they could say, look, this is what worked. Uh, let's apply this to everywhere else that it needs to be applied to. Yeah. And it's in the, uh, I forget exactly when, but when the British was in Afghanistan, was that in the early 1900s? Oh, well, when we got our asses handed to us. Like, like way back, like, I, I think <laughs> yeah, it was in the early 1900s yeah. or something like that. It was, um, I'm trying to think of the quite famous battle. Because, we, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was a bad time for us. Thanks for bringing that up, John. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, we were so, busy trying to rule rule the world back then. Right, right. So the the British. You're, you're new to this. You're new to that. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. We, you know, we're just copying you guys now. I guess. I no, we. But you see, but you feel my pain. <laughs> yeah. So the, the yeah. British they sent a uh, bunch of officers who were kind of experts in unconventional warfare tactics. They had a lot of success in Afghanistan, but for some reason, it, it wasn't didn't spearhead the efforts, and. Um, kind of the specialty of the Green Berets is that unconventional warfare. Yeah. You know, doing things from the ground up versus from the top down. And where's that from? Like historically, is that from the Rhodesians? What where's that? Um I think actually, yeah, they used some of that comes from the Rhodesians and um yeah. South Africa. Some of it comes from uh the British. Uh yeah. some of it comes from Russia. Um, so it's like a mish. That's a, it's interesting. They've t- right. maybe taken the best of all those different things. Well, right, and and the British were doing it in World War Two prior to the beginning yep. of World War Two. Uh, yeah. You know, Churchill and and a bunch of other people they set up what what they called a special command for like a regular warfare. And what they were preparing to do was they were expecting Germany to invade and and conquer England. And yeah. they planned on resisting using unconventional warfare tactics, uh, you know, hit and run tactics, that kind of thing. And yeah. and they basically used uh, manuals that were written from Rhodesia, from Russia, and and all these different places. And they were kind of meshing it together. And it's it's just interesting how, regardless of the times and the technology, that kind of stuff works, you know? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like... Um... I don't want to say a game, but it's it's, it's outwitting, like very. Oh yeah. You know, there's an element of luck, but it is it's it's old school, isn't it? Because you can have all the drones you like, but you need to those those blokes on the ground. You know, they do have to have that kind of Midas touch, if you like. You have to, and like you you mentioned earlier about thinking outside the box. You know, if 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 these guys can pull that off and secure Iraq for the for their future, because Iraq was a be- is it is a beautiful country. You know, I've I've driven the width and breadth of that place, and it's absolutely, in part, stunning. Oh yeah! If they could get get it back on its feet, you know, it's a as it should be. It's a it's a solid it's a it's got a solid place in history. You know, it's yeah, exactly. It, it's you know, it's at one point it was kind of the center of the world. You know, um, yeah. And, it and you was... had um, I remember, I remember. Well, in fact, you know the um. The sheikhs in Dubai, um, and you'll notice that they're very similar. You've got the sunken highway in Baghdad, and you've also got the sunken highway in Dubai. And the the sheikh at the time went across and said, I think it, was, it might even be my birth year, so I'm not ashamed to say that I'm 41, but it, it was in something like 75. And, uh, I'm all right for 41. I'm still in good health. <laughs> I'm still combat effective. And, uh, yeah, so and he went there and said, I want Dubai to be like Baghdad. So it was kind of the... People wanted it was the, the envy of the the area, and then you look at it now and think, well, that's potentially what the dictatorship did. You know, they did, they didn't want to move forward, and sort of halting the the education system there and things like you know the because cu- culturally Baghdad was really um, far forward, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and it was um, like a melting pot of different cultures. Um, yeah. You had because a lot of things that we do today. And things that we use today originated in the Middle East, like certain things, yeah. uh, you know, certain kind of math. Uh, coffee is is from you know from the Middle East, and and just all these different things. But 
one thing that kind of happened was, uh, you know, Alexander the Great kind of, you know, marched his way through that entire area. Yeah, he did, yeah. And he, like, left. He did okay in Afghanistan. Yeah, he did, actually. And Yeah. But, you know, with that, you had... The, so did, the, the so did Genghis mixture. Khan, sorry. Oh, no, Genghis Khan, he was a fucking savage. But, Genghis, yeah. Um, Let's do Genghis on people. Actually, Genghis Khan, if I'm not mistaken, he was the one who brought about the end of the first caliphate if i if i'm if i'm correct and i think it started in iraq the the, the fight there but so at, at some point if you know iraq was like a melting pot of, of kind of european yeah. culture uh african culture some asian and, and middle eastern iraq really has a very important place in, in history yeah definitely and isis part of what they're doing that is really um kind of unforgivable is they're like destroying yeah. all this historical all these historical sites and and statues and art and stuff that you will never get back you know and things that are yeah a thousand years old it's just it's really a shame yeah it is and yeah let's i'm really hopeful for that these guys can turn this thing around and in fact they are turning it around so oh yeah i mean look they in terms of fighting on the battlefield they're not you know they can't win i mean you you like, look, they're from from what people are saying. You know, they're they're more advanced in tactics and and how they're moving than it's reported. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when you have Western special ops guys, you have Iraqi special ops, and you have air power behind you, you you can't yeah. beat that. You know what I mean? So um, no, it's just it's hey. like, like we. Hey, there Is you that go. Brian? I'm back. Are hey, you back? That went very well. Nice. Yeah, it was quick, quick, but very, very good. Uh, I just met with the, basically the, uh, he's the XO for uh, ISOF, uh, first battalion was the original guys, but he's also, as you know, uh, how Iraq is, he's a guy that has a lot of connections outside of his rank. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, he, he supports it uh, and was very thankful. Well, that's brilliant news. Yeah, and we're glad that you're back, Brian, because we just had to waffle on for about 20 yeah. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we even got to talking about Genghis Khan so that you can see how deep we went. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on that. That's another subject I love very much. I love it very much. Afghan's my se- Afghanistan's my second home. <laughs> right, so where, so where were we? I, I finished my little story. And, in fact, the point I was making was that sometimes people don't understand the... Um, the bond that you make and that I could call up people in Baghdad and I know that they'd keep me safe just purely because their their knowledge of atmospherics and their knowledge of the culture and all of that stuff is far better than my mine could ever be regardless of how long I'd spent there is that they exactly. kind of you know and, and they, they just have a certain way that they can just and again like you say when people are connected it makes life easier doesn't it it really does. Like, uh, yeah. we actually, I got my picture is, uh, he's a, he's only 22 years old, but, uh, wow. he's been working the system for a long time. He's very respected. Yeah. He's been doing this every day for, uh, two years, bringing journalists to the front regardless. So it's finding those people. He has ties in Syria. He has ties everywhere. Wow. So, and then what was cool about it is when he realized what I was doing, uh, and he's, Facebook and everything, he's on board 100%. So now I have that guy in country. Yeah. And alongside that, I have all the ISOF guys. And, you know, this is one thing that I, I often 
talk about is I know I don't have the capability. Uh, I'm not the smartest man in the room, but I'm willing to go and I'm definitely willing to work with anybody that's willing to work with me. I'm not one of those guys that's like, well, I'm in charge. This is the way it's going to be. I, I don't care. All I care about is the success. Yeah. And and you need those type of connections, you know. It's good to have that. And I mean, what? I mean, look, eventually ISIS is going to get uh, defeated, you know, captured or whatever. And and then another kind of process is going to take place in terms of rebuilding the country and, and um, you know, trying to set things up properly. Because there was, uh, for a long time, I mean, Iraq was divided between, you know, Sunni and Shia. What we were saying when you got off, Brian, was that ICE office is kind of surpassed that and grown bigger than that and blended in everybody who's from Iraq, regardless of their religion or whatever, and came together. And, and what we were saying was if that ISIS is defeated, that ISOF can be used as a, you know, this is how things can be done to and where move it forward. works. Right. And then it, it can yeah. even be used yes. elsewhere in the Middle East and Africa and, you know, Afghanistan or what have you. Exactly. And they're being recognized finally. And that's what Race of Black is hoping to help is project them into the world more of their capability. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing to see them work and operate and they're going to be, they are the future of the country and they know it and they bring a solidarity to it. And the, you know, the non-secretarianism that they represent, uh, it's an amazing thing to see. And every one of these guys, they, they talk about for Iraq, for Iraq, for Iraq. And that's really good to hear, isn't it? It's amazing to hear that it's, it's truly, they are the patriots of their country. And, it's it's rare to see somebody adapt so quickly like they have. And in the harshest of times, they still have that love. Um, they spend a lot of their time when they're in between fighting because uh, they don't really get – they take some time off. They all get leave because they're constantly at war. But uh, when they're here at their bases, they go hang out with the locals. And it's very important to them that the locals uh, – respect and love them instead of fear them and just, Oh, they're the military. You got to do what they say. They don't want that. They want the relationship with the people. And every single time I've gone to a different, uh, section of the ISOF guys while I've been here, um, everybody has that same sentiment. It's across the board. It's for the people. And it's rare to see a group like this that does that and understands that this isn't about them. This is about their country. Yeah. And they understand that militaries aren't for the country. The militaries are there to protect the people in that country. And they understand that very, very well. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And talk, and just to, to talk to, could you just tell everyone about um, Raise the Flag? Or, sorry, Raise the Black. Just so they know exactly so what, what, what it the, means. The, con- the concept, it, it starts small. We have a huge plan. But the, the whole purpose of Raise the Black is... ISOF started with black uniforms. That was, they chose to go with black. That's what they wanted. Uh, they were a nighttime operation uh, unit. And when ISIS or Daesh took, uh, moved forward, they kind of stole that from them, the color black, because, you know, the flag, and they, they yeah. represented a lot of the black in their uniforms. And they really took it away, and people started to fear the black. So what Race the Black's purpose is to take that power back with their uniforms, raise yeah. the black flag positively, and that's the whole point of the raise the flag or the raise the black flag is to have uh, simultaneously 
uh, making Dash fear the ice off even more than they already do. While yeah, getting the people really, to re- I like that. That's really that's really a good and psychologically. Yes, it's a, it's a win. It's an absolute win. Is and and then yeah. it's, it's it's an absolute sort of smashing, you know, ISIS w- with that. Is yeah, and you're right. I think that's a really really. Important and that's one of the things that we, thing. Lauren and I discussed was just that psychologically, you don't want people that relate black, who were just oppressed in the worst ways imaginable, humanly possible. They would constantly have that in their back of their mind. So let's yeah. start early. Let's let's do things to show positive light in that color and that purpose in that unit. And they've done it on their own even way before we started. They were already doing that. And this just adds fuel to the fire. But what it does, it also gets it on the global scale of yeah. people. I mean, even in the United States now, you have uh, like the sim, the sim teams or the whatever they are, the sim munitions, the people that go play the, the paintball and stuff. Uh, yeah, airsoft. Like, uh, like airsoft, yeah. Yeah, John Airsoft, does it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> nothing against him. I, I don't do it. I, I don't mean any disrespect. John, John does it in his apartment in New York. Just kind of out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, so with that, you know, it was like these guys are actually uh, some of them are using the ice off uniforms now. And uh, it's really cool to see it catching on that, hey, these dudes are elite. They are yeah. taking the fight to the purest evil we've seen in a very long time. And uh, there's, you know, they're the Nazis of our generation and they're fighting them and they're doing very, yeah. very well. And, and that is, a, and, and to demoralize them, is that, that's such an important tactic, isn't it? Because that's, it's like a tactic without actually having to, I'm not saying not have to do anything, but you virtually just, if you, if you, if they've got that much pride in, in this color, then it, it takes it, and like you said, it takes it from them. And that's really demoralizing to an enemy in a good way. Ex- yes, exactly. And so then, as people know, the uh, the profits that we don't put back into the company to keep continuously grow, it goes to the families. Like, I, I was able to come over here and bring money with me to give to the general and say, hey, this is for it, – it's small right now, I know, but it's, it's a show of faith that we're, yeah. we're not using you. We're with you. And he grasped it very quickly, uh, and he understands where we're going. And then I explained our future endeavors where – we're teaming up with Warrior Woven and uh, a few other companies that we don't exactly have a commitment yet, but they're definitely intrigued. Where all the items are handmade, and instead of outsourcing to a factory, uh, my, myself in the beginning will be going to these countries and uh, host, hosting seminars to teach them how to knit or how to do other things and give them jobs and outsource for the right reasons. Yeah. That way we can pay them good money. It gets these refugees something to look forward to. We build the, these products that are American products handmade all over the world for the right reasons, and we get money back into the economies. And it's a, we have a, a really beautiful picture to paint, and this is just the beginning of it. You, you, can, fight, uh, you can fight an enemy, right? You kill them, you drop bombs on them, but it's, you can't just defeat an ideology, right? And exactly, and terrorism and and that kind of extremist ideology, they really need places that are unstable. There aren't schools. Breeze, that, yeah. Exactly, the economy is isn't there. So that's the other side of the coin of countering terrorism. Yeah, you know, definitely. Go and create uh, an an economy, build jobs for these people, uh, so that they're not tempted to just pick up a rifle and fight. You know what I mean? 
And you yes. even have like the Great Wars. I mean, that the 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 entire country are behind their fighting men, and that's how that's how people it's, win wars because they, they they need their communities to be behind them. Whether you're whether you you know I don't know gathering shoes, whatever you're doing, you need you need to be part of the the war effort. And that you know we've we all know that from our own histories. Exactly, and and that's where that's the mindset that we're going with. And you know, it, it sounds cheesy or corny. No, it's quite exciting. When you say. But like the one thing that I learned the most of anything during combat of all my tours, the one thing that came out and why I do what I do now is the one weapon that matters the most is love. And it sounds cheesy and corny to a lot of people because they don't grasp the concept. But that was you saying it, doesn't it? It does. No, it really does. (laughs) And and that's where that's where this is coming from. And I learned that lesson the hard way of. You know, thinking that, hey, we'll just keep killing the Taliban and keep killing the Taliban. But we didn't really put the right efforts in. Of course, we're building villages or building hospitals, but we're still not doing it the right way because the people don't feel the love. They think that it's just, all right, they're going to come in and they're going to build this and then they'll leave and they'll leave us alone. They don't build those those relationships. And that's what we want to do is build that relationship. Brian, you just reminded me, and I read a really good paper, and I'm sure it was Green Berets, but it was was that one – one tribe at a time in Afghanistan where they basically went and lived with them. They taught them how to to do things and they taught them how to sort of defend themselves. And it was a success, yes. wasn't it? Yes. And you know, I'll give you a and that You've kind of reminded give, me of that. Like that's the way potentially that warfare should have went in Afghanistan. If to, to maybe, you know, a little well, bit more of that, that would have helped. Yeah. And it's a shame like, because that was working. In my first, my first trip, it's a quick story. Uh, we went into uh, the Maroof Valley. Uh, we stood up uh, uh, Firebase Swinney. Um, I was actually the Charlie that started the groundwork for Firebase Swinney. And it built into this huge uh, huge base that was meant to uh, disrupt Taliban operation or Taliban movement from Pakistan into the Maroof Valley, which would lead into Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that time, when we went into this area, uh, the women and children were we scurried into their huts and they'd look down and they would never look at us. They'd never interact with us. But after that deployment, when we were leaving country, we, we drove right back through the areas that we always drove through. And they were coming. The women and children were coming out and clapping and cheering and waving. Oh, wow. And it's because of the things that we did there. And the where we messed up in Afghanistan, in my personal opinion, again, these are my opinions, yeah. um, is we would go in and we would make them work for the stuff that we give them. We wouldn't just come in and say, Hey, we're going to build you a, a well. We'd say, Hey, we'll get, we can get you a well, but we're still getting rocketed. Uh, people are still getting attacked. So until you help us, we're, we're not going to help you. And then the village elders and the people started understanding what we were saying. Like we're here for you, but if you're not here for us, we're not going to team up. And then we would change those villages, minds and hearts and we'd yeah. build them the well. Then they'd say, okay, these people are for real. And then they would spread the word to the other villages. Like, hey, they will help you if you help them. And we were so – we impacted the area so well because people started turning in the Taliban. And yeah. <laughs> legit be like, hey, that guy right over there? Yeah. Because they trusted us enough that they'd point him out and be like, hey, yeah, he's Taliban. Because <laughs> <laughs> they knew we'd take care of it. Uh, yeah. But the problem but that's, was – That's brilliant. Yeah. The problem is the uh, politically they saw that that was working. So they're like, hey, we just need to build them stuff. So then people, the villages started getting things without earning them. Yeah. And that doesn't change anything. No. You're just, you're just 
henning them then they anything want more, they want. And then, almost, then, yes. then you're almost breeding like this thing no i'm going to take it so then i'm going to go kill him and i'm going to take yes. what, yeah and i know exactly where you're going with it yeah and it's true it's yeah. like and, then they see and, it's, it's, and that's where there's always that constant battle you have because i've worked for dod and dos and there's a battle between them and there's a battle between our mod and our foreign commonwealth offices because they have different and everyone's got this everyone wants the good things to happen but they've got different ways of doing it and i, I don't think they get the liaison quite right exactly and that, you know, i'm not political but that's how i feel about it with from my own experiences and from what you've just said that that's it's, that's how it appears you know it's almost like if if we could get back to those basics and and do them right maybe things would work out differently for us because it doesn't mean you don't you're still gonna have to kill people that's the nature of the yeah, piece. that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's part of it. But it doesn't have it, to be the only part of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's the exact point I'm trying yeah. to make. Is you you have to eradicate some of it. it it's yeah. you have to uh, you have to embrace violence. Uh, there's luckily there's men and women out there that understand how to use violence for the right reasons. It's not the answer, but it's part of the solution. And yeah. that's where we're trying to go with this. Is we're supporting the people. Uh, that are doing the fighting, but showing them, hey, there's these other things that we can do that you're still loved, you're still respected, yeah, and we're still here, and hey, look at these things, uh, you know, helping the, the people, uh, the actual people, not just the soldiers. Um, and how, and how very, are you managing with important. getting anyone on, anyone on board, like um, from our, our own side, you know? Well, okay, that was my next, yeah. well, that's my next subject is, you know, one thing that we're dropping in the United States is, we're horrible with taking care of our veterans as far as yeah. for medical. It's no secret. However, you have a plethora of individuals that are willing to do these things. And I'm trying to reach out. And there's a lot of people reaching out to myself to join me. I don't have the funds to hire them right now. I'm hoping to grow that way. I'm hoping to achieve my 501 Charlie status and then team up with a government agency. Say, look, as these people are getting out, give them the option to come work with me. They already yeah. have the skill set. They already have the skill set to change hearts and minds. If they want to do it, let them come and support us. Support yeah. us. Help you know. Help us help you, because a peaceful Iraq helps everybody. Yeah. A growing Iraq helps everybody. A growing any country helps the world. So that's kind of the, that's when I say we have this huge picture that we see in front of us, yeah. and it's it's kind of intimidating at times. I get I get overwhelmed, admittedly, when I look at what we're trying to accomplish and haven't had a lot of feedback from important type people. Uh, for the support. So we're hoping that this push here, showing up in Missoula, showing like, look, we're not just talking, we're here. Whether you, we, whether you support us or not, we're going to be here. So yeah. maybe you should help us because we're going to do a lot more with that support. Um, and, and you made it, that's another good point about how it affects people at home is that, you know, um, US troops came out of um, Iraq obviously a lot later than we did. And the same, and obviously then we pulled out of Afghanistan. And, and I always think it's a, if, if we pull out, if we continue to pull out and it's, it appears that we've failed back home, yes. that's not very good for the mental status of our veterans. And so exactly. what you're saying, so if someone gets out and says, you know what, I don't feel like I was finished. I wasn't finished in Iraq or Afghanistan. And then they can go back and, and do what you're doing and, you know, or help your organization by, by helping to rebuild things. I think that that, that could actually have a really positive knock-on effect to, to veterans. I it, agree. It could, and it could really help. It's seen in a lot of the messages or comments on when I post stuff about Iraq or me being here or some of the stuff leading up to here. Um, 
a lot of the messages I personally received were from veterans saying, man, I was heartbroken when I saw Fallujah, yeah. uh, when we lost Fallujah to ISIS or, or Ramadi to ISIS. And it's so great to see what they're doing. And it's so great to see that they're being supported. So it, I've personally seen it have the impact that we're, we're talking about. Yeah. And I think if we get the right support and the, the, build the right networks, we can do amazing things here. Well, yeah, and, and from my side, I'd, de- I'd definitely be in. So I'll be trying to spread the word on it, all, all my forms of social media. And what forms of social media do you have, Brian? What have you got going on? Because I see you uh, obviously on Instagram, but what, what else do you have? I use uh, mainly, I suck at Twitter, admittedly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, I do. Use... Um, yeah, I'm not a Twitter fan. Uh, I, 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 as y'all have noticed, you're talking with me. I talk a lot <laughs> and Twitter doesn't have enough for my, <laughs> my, my rants. So I use uh, a lot of Instagram and Facebook. And yeah. then, uh, we also have our website. I, I started blogging for this trip, uh, on the race to black website. And, and that, is that uh, all connected? Is that connected to your Facebook? So it's just so I yes. can direct people from, you know, if they want to um, get involved or at yes, least then if they, it, if it they sure reach is. out. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, the World's Wide Country Foundation has a website as well. Uh, I have been slacking, admittedly, on World's Wide Country Foundation as far as uh, social media. But I'm about to grow. I, I, I'm coming, buddy. One second. <laughs> and, uh, but social uh, media so, is like a full-time job anyway, so that's tough. It really is. I and so I have, a full, I have a full team that has supported me from the beginning for World's My Country Foundation. And I really dropped the ball after uh, Kathmandu. Uh, of getting them the things that they needed. And so when I really got back into this, uh, I emailed them and I said, hey, these are the things that I'm doing, but I don't want your help right now. I want to show you and earn that respect of like, I am putting forth the effort. Because they will, uh, I put out a lot of tasks in the beginning, but I wasn't really pulling, pulling my end of things. And I, I dropped the ball, but that's how we grow and learn. So this is me trying to grow that back and let them know that, hey, I'm here, I'm doing it, you know, believe in me and let's yeah. do this and let's go change the world. And they're starting to pick back up and uh, hopefully we'll get a, a social media manager that can actually help us and get the content out there properly. And right now it's just a dude, uh, a few dudes that are, you know, Hey, let's take a picture here. <laughs> just like yeah. uh, the one, the one I just posted in, in Missoula where I had a dash flag and we, we got a pretty good picture with that. And it's showing right now we're just letting people know, like, We've been talking about it, but here we are, and we're acting. And it's gotten a great reception. Well, that's awesome. It's, a, it's, such, a, it's such a good idea, and it's yeah, it's quite, and it's quite exciting, I think, actually. Yeah. Maybe John could do your social media. Yeah, I was just thinking <laughs> that. But thinking. you could. John's good at that well, stuff. John's been a huge, huge asset for us. Yeah. And, uh he has no idea how grateful Lauren and I are for the opportunities is it's definitely pushed us out people, uh, after the podcast we done, uh, we had done with him before. And then, yeah. um, my buddy, Kevin, who's an author, they, between the two, they've just been so helpful of getting the message out there. And just like every time, uh, John hits me up, he's like, Hey, you want to do this? Of course, man, you're doing me a favor. I'm not doing you a favor, man. And, I truly, truly appreciate it, brother. No, no, no it's good man. to it's good to hear you on that. It's good to hear how it's progressing as well, isn't it, John? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, like, and it's like you know, Brian said, some people were probably a little hesitant, but 
you know, then he shows up and he's in Mosul, then people yeah. are like, all right, this is serious, you know? And, and I mean, I knew it was serious from the beginning, but, you know, some people you need to show and prove a little bit. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I think he's doing that. And are you talking about Kevin, um, was his last name uh, Mayer, Mayer or something like that? Uh, Moore, yes. Moore, there you go. Oh, he's an author, right? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. He's talking. a very good... He's a very good friend of mine. Uh, I worked with him on, or we met because he was working on a book for Afghanistan. And uh, so I helped him a little bit with that. But through that that uh, uh, work relationship, we became very good friends. And he's been very supportive. Uh, he's one of the guys I actually go to when uh, I need a sanity check. <laughs> he, he has no problem saying, yeah, that's just stupid, bro. Don't do that. <laughs> was, he also, was he also a soldier or what was... Well, no, he, no, he's just an author. Oh wow! Yeah, he's just a he, very well-rounded author. He, he's yeah. a military author. Yeah, he did That's some cool. good books, right? Like some pretty popular books. Oh yeah, right? he did Larry. He did Lines of Kandahar, uh, yeah. No Easy Day. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A plethora, a plethora of good books. I actually, yeah. I actually got to read his new book that's coming out uh, in September. And I'll tell you this: not to, uh, this isn't a plug for him by any means. It was a. Uh, he sent it to me. I checked my email on my iPhone. And I was like, all right, let me see how many pages this is so I can give him some feedback. And I started looking at it and I started reading it. So on my phone, I read like 300 pages. Oh, nice. <laughs> I couldn't shit. put it down. I was just like, holy shit, this yeah, is so good. I've read like, uh, I think like three of his books are pretty good stuff. Yeah. yeah it's, I cannot wait until it comes out. Uh, I won't spoil it with uh, what it is, but uh, I'm just saying he has a book coming out in September-ish uh, and it's, it's going to be amazing. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. On your phone, that's hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was reading an email. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I didn't even realize it. I'm sitting and sitting in my recliner at the apartment and I'm uh I realized like why are my eyes so tired? And then I realized how far I was into this book. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you got stuff to do? Because it sounds like you someone's calling you, Brian. We don't want to keep you from Yes. Uh actually uh, You've got chai to uh, drink, something like that. <laughs> yeah, actually uh, uh, since I'm leaving, uh, the guys want to hang out because I'm going to push. I'm pushing back out to uh, a few refugee camps tomorrow, uh, inshallah. And then uh, from there, I'm heading back to uh, Amman and then heading home in the next few yeah. days so I can try to get this thing going. So thanks for having me on. Uh, no, sorry calms. for the for the uh, interruptions. but uh, no, That's all good, man. It's, tr- it's truly appreciated. Hey, Brian, yeah, w- and what's the website so people can check it out? Yes, the website's uh, www.raisethe.black. It's very confusing because a lot of people don't under- uh, didn't know that you can have a dot .black without a dot .com. Yeah, I but think it's, it's pretty www- cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Actually, that was my, my best friend's. Uh, he's a tech guy. And he's like, hey, why don't you just go with dot black i was like i didn't know that was a thing bro <laughs> yeah when, when lauren so, sent me the link i was like uh i was like is, is that the full website and he's like yeah it's dot black dot i was com. like oh shit that's pretty cool yeah, i'm still rolling with dot co dot uk <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh again you know it's raised raised the dot black and then uh uh the foundation is wimcf.org uh wimcf.org and that's where people can donate for the humanitarian aid side. Raise the Black, you can buy products. Uh, we're actually going to put a link on Raise the Black. So if somebody doesn't necessarily want to buy a product, they just want to donate, they can. We've had a lot of people reach out through Instagram. Uh, like this entire this entire uh, trip I'm on was funded by uh, individuals. One of them, a JTAC in America. 
and then uh, give a shout out to Chris because that was awesome. awesome. Uh, and then uh, the other was a, a Iraqi American citizen that uh, just loves what we're doing, and he's actually one of my bigger supporters. He's going to help me out with uh, a pretty good amount of funds for the, the refugees here. So uh, wow. it's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, we'll, get, we'll definitely get the word out on other forms of social media too. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, awesome. All right, Brian. Uh, thanks for taking out the time and doing this, brother. Um, be safe out there. Hey, no, yeah, keep yeah, safe, Thanks for Brian. having me. Will do. Thank you all. All right, all right, take care. Bye. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hello? Yeah, yeah they're, that they're, is really cool. They're doing good stuff out there. And, um, yeah, awesome. I'd like to, yeah, I'm going to get that um, get that out there. That's really cool. And it does make a difference. I really like the way that, God, if it makes you think, God, if you could just, you know, the next time we go somewhere, let's maybe plan it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's it's cool. And I actually have one of those uh, Raise the Black Flags. I got to throw it up and uh, oh, wow. get some pictures or videos. I probably, can, I probably won't put um, a black flag up in the UK at the minute. For obvious reasons, John. Fuck. It's cool though, the flag. It's like a um I do I like the way they're taking that power back though. That's nice. That's a it's proper, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like a fuck you. Exactly. And and it the top of the flag says raise the black, then it has like the skull and the the arrows going. Yeah, I need to yeah, cool. Yeah, it's just pretty awesome. And um you know, they they're doing great work and and it'd be good to get he needs um, to get on the telly, you know, to get him on sort of the news channels and stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, look, it's it's very possible that I could it could get to that point. Yeah. Um, because I really I don't there isn't anyone doing this kind of stuff. I mean, you got no, and maybe get some serious investors. You know, do you know what I mean? Getting then let's get like I said, you you know, the war effort is for everybody, isn't it? Right, and and really make some good change, and I think that's yeah. really the way to do it. And you know these. Coming from his background, you know, the Green Berets really specialize in unconventional yeah, warfare. Yeah, no, I like that. And that's really a part of the, the the same coin of, you know, countering terrorism. And and just to kind of backtrack, uh, when we were talking about, like, the kind of the origins of unconventional warfare, it's really old. Yeah. Like, but just when, what we were saying before is kind of referencing it being used in, in modern times, um, you know, with World War II and uh, Rhodesia and South yeah. Africa. But I think like the first documented kind of instance of it, at least what's made it uh, through time is uh, Sun Tzu's The Art of War. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you know, throughout time, you've, you've had some other stuff. But Yeah, that's not just a good book of quotes, John. Exactly. So, <laughs> that's so amazing. There. It's like the best in the world. I mean, if, it, if, you had, if you had to have like people on your shelf for quotes, you know, if you lifetime quotes, you'd I'd, I'd obviously have to have Winston Churchill because his quotes are great. But yeah. then you write the art, the art of war, the guy, who's the guy that you always quote that I really like. Um, Mushashi I don't want to say it just, yeah, exactly. I don't I would have just pronounced that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Can you break it down? No, but then, and there's, you know, just those sorts of, um, they're timeless, aren't they? Cause right. even now, and it's like, well, how long ago were they written? Right, and and it just it doesn't matter, you know. It's it's like, just resonates, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's that, just it's that culture. It's interesting because uh, two two land from running tactics. Yeah. He, um, he did uh, a project with Tim Kozak, a veterans project. I know. I've, I've been loving it. I've I shared it. it yeah, really exactly. Good. Right, and I loved it. Even the stuff he's saying is like, hang on a sec, too. Right, there's a no, book there. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely, and and yeah, in one of the posts that Tim put up, very you know, eloquent. You know, two was talking about how. 
you know, he he kind of hit a, a downward spiral, yeah, you know, with losing people and, and then, you know, some of the medication that they give these guys. And, and then he kind of went back to what he thought was kind of hit, hit some of his roots with the Eastern philosophy, you know, Bushido, the warrior code, the, the Japanese yeah. kind of code of chivalry. And he read the Book of Five Rings written by Musashi Miyamoto. And that was written, you know, years and years ago. But he said, like, some of the things, the lessons in the book resonated with him from his time of war now, yeah. you know. And, and it's just another piece of timeless work. Yeah, and, he, and the way he he's able to put his emotions as a warrior into into words, uh, it kind of blows me away a bit too. You know, it's not to say that I'm, I'm shocked, but he's very... Um, it's quite captivating. I was reading it and I thought, Jesus, it sounded like it sounded like it it should be older than he he is. Does that make sense? It was right. It was like old oldie worldy speak, but in the best way. Well, right, and 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 that's what kind of you know separates. Two yeah, a little no, bit. I liked it. Right, exactly. It's it. It's really um, and that's the thing. You um, when you talk to, it's not like he he comes across like a bookworm. Yeah, he talks like a warrior. He's and that's what, but then he he has this something quite special about him. Like a warrior bookworm. Yeah, like a like a warrior, <laughs> badass warrior bookworm who could just who could snap your neck if you touch the book. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, and that's it's, but it's like, it's some of that is is being aware of not just you know, being a, the best warrior that you can, you know, being in the best yeah. shape, you know, shooting. It's not and, all about killing, is it? It's, yeah, exactly. No, it's, you it's have to... mental, the mental part, you know, it's you're working on your emotions, you know, even if that sounds kind yeah. of cheesy, like you, you have no, to No, no, have... your emotional strength. I mean, there's a right. lot of people that break down and, and never recover. Right, and you have to kind of master that. Yeah. And some of the, the lessons in the Eastern philosophy, and, you know, I've read a lot about it, is be good at... at the, the martial arts, you know, at the time it was, you know, sword fighting, uh, that kind of yeah. thing. And, you know, now it's gunfighting, right? And be good at that. Train there. <laughs> train physically, work out, exercise, be in a good shape. But also train your mind. Read a lot. Yeah. Uh, practice some form of art. If it's actual art of drawing, photography, uh, yeah. something that kind of gets your creative side going. And and just kind of master all of these different facets of life, and it will just make you a better person. And then for the warfighters, it makes you a better warrior. You know. Yeah, yeah, it does, and it's um, just a lot. You think that everything that's going on, it's just it's a lot to ask, isn't it? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that not everyone can kind of, with the way people's lives are, it's quite it's quite tough, isn't it? Well, right, right. It is but if you can do it, even if you can do it in sort of small chunks, you know, just get get halfway there is better than no way there. Right, absolutely, and and you yeah. know, people people find their niche and things that interest them that you, know, you might think is corny or whatever it is. It's yeah. not not cool. It's lame. But uh, but then you think it's their... funny that guys that's so typical of guys to say they <laughs> they say the L word is corny, but the way the way in which um, obviously Brian was using it is. It's not the way that sort of someone who would annoy me using it, and we, after we all, we, we, you and I both know, and I'm sure the the listeners, if they followed my pages, would know what I'm talking about. Is that if someone says we can cure the world with love, well, you, it's like, wait a depends minute, what their bro. background is. You're like, yeah, exactly. cheers. 
Wait, fucking wait. thanks for turning up. But when Brian says it, he's talking about you. You understand that he's he's talking about all of the other stuff and the addition of. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Right, but also from his experience. I mean, he's a yeah, he's a guy exactly with, with eight yeah eight deployments as a Green Beret. You know, so yeah, he's no stranger to violence and and to no. to the real and, no, world. and knows how to use exactly. Right. and that's maybe the difference. So it's, that's that's my point. Here we go. because this, this has been a popular thing. Of late, with Katy Perry coming out. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they said that's exactly the same thing of saying, you know, everyone. Yeah, of course we need to coexist, but some people, you know, Katy, have got a, a bit of a wake-up call. Some people don't want to coexist. Right. If you if you understand the ideology of yeah ra- the radical Islamic groups, like their whole thing is is to turn the entire world under their banner of of their version yeah. of, of Islam. And you Which could... is, is actually probably nothing like Islam. Oh no, no, no! It's they're, just... they're so far removed from right. It. It's, 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 like... it's a small, a small bit that they kind of twist yeah. into their own kind of view and and how it benefits them. And yeah. it's super ultra conservative. Um, it's you know, and a- any anyone who lives under that, like not just like there's documented cases where some of these groups, whether it be Africa, Yemen, or whatever, where they've uh, kind of won their fight against the local government, and then they actually got into governing. You know, where they were running the towns and areas. Yeah. And each place where they set, you know, their very strict interpretation of of, of Islam, the people eventually turned against them because you you just you yeah, know you, it's you too can't, much to bear. I yeah, mean, you can't too, cut people's hands point. off for for small minor what you consider yeah. an offense and, and the rest of the world considers something that's really minor, you know, at some point, stealing bread or something Yeah, like you're going to cut someone's hand off for that. Or, you know, th- yeah. this woman is not allowed to leave her house without her mail and she has to be covered completely. And some people believe that, and it's not to knock any of the people who believe that, yeah. but you can't oppress people with, with be- uh, yeah, rules exactly. that were, that were written in the seventh century. You know, it just doesn't work in, yeah. in today's day and age. That's really where the clash comes in with that ideology and, and kind of the rest of the world, you know. I know. So, you know, and this is, again, it's like one, that little bit of, um, the little bit that Raise the Flag's doing is actually quite a sizable chunk. Oh, yeah, you know, So absolutely. it seems like, what seems like a small project to start with, actually, it, you know, it says an awful lot and it could instill the right sort of um, mentality. And it obviously has actually instilled the right mentality into those warriors at the front where they do, they are now massive patriots. And they probably always were. They just didn't really, you know, it's quite hard when you don't really know right, you, who the enemy is. You know, right, and, you, and you, do you, you need, need to... You need some coaxing that kind of... Yeah, of course, guide some guidance. Right. Yeah. And, and then you get that feeling of, you know what, I like this shit. I like this feeling. Yeah, it's it's great. And, and I you know, I know they're going to go far because I know yeah. Brian and I know... um. Lawrence Schofield, you know, the other guy uh, behind it. Uh, yeah. They're both former Green Berets. They're really smart guys, and they're really methodical. Like, That's oh, fab. I'm, I'm really glad. I'm, I'm really intrigued now. I'm going to do some research and have a look. Yeah, and, and they're just going to keep pushing it, you know. You know, I'm going to continue to help where I can, and and, and, and we'll, you know, we'll support them and, and um, yeah. go as far as we can with it. Oh, that's cool, John. Another, another good chat. Yeah. Yep. Good chat, and then boring editing. So, oh, you editing now? Oh yeah. Hmm. Oh yeah.
Oh, well, well, I'll let you go then. You can crack on. You can yeah. crack the fuck on, John. <laughs> hey. Raise your own, raise, raise your own black flag. Yeah, yeah, the, the Jolly Roger flag. <laughs> yeah, raise the Jolly Roger to get some uh, skirmishes going on in your airsoft flag. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that in. <laughs> you don't do all the air. We'll get crucified by the airsofters. You know that. Oh yeah, and then um, <laughs> it's funny because I know a bunch of dudes like. Uh, you know, Rangers or whatever, and they hate yeah, people they hate the airsoft shit. But <laughs> but then there's some people who support it, you know, so it's interesting. Yeah. Well, those airsofters might be defending our shores at some point. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good training. Like, like you could train. Yeah, apparently so, yeah. Yeah, you could train with that stuff. You know? it's just, you're just not going to see a reaction to rounds coming the other way. That's the problem, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, well, I'll let you go, and I'll chat to you soon. All right, cool. What they got going on over at Raise the Black is really incredible. At first, I guess there was some amongst veterans or or anybody who was looking at what they were doing and was intrigued by it, but maybe thought, oh, this could end up being a situation where, you know, we donate some money or we support it, and they're not doing what they say they were going to do, but... In this case, and, and I knew this from the beginning, they're absolutely doing what they said they were going to do. And you can see that as Brian is in Iraq right now with the ICTF, the Iraqi Special Operations Forces, uh, in Mosul, very close to the front. And, you know, he went over there and brought money and he bought the items he said he was going to bring to these guys. And, you know, it's showing and proving and hopefully people can see that they mean business and what they're doing is really incredible with him helping out with the refugees, helping out with the families of those special ops, Iraqi special operations guys who were killed in action, uh, fighting ISIS and fighting Al-Qaeda. And it's really incredible work. So, again, you know, check them out, support them. Uh, my website is globalrecon.net. My Facebook account is fbrecon. My Instagram account is IG Recon. The second account is Black Ops Matter. I'm on Twitter at IG Recon. You can also find me on LinkedIn, just search Global Recon. Chantel Taylor's Facebook account is Battle Worn, the Memoirs of a Combat Medic in Afghanistan. Her Instagram account is Mission Underscore Critical. She wrote a very good book about a rotation of hers with the British Army as a senior combat medic called Battle One of the Memoirs of a Combat Medic in Afghanistan. It's a very good book. Uh, it's easiest place to get it is Amazon.com. And like I always encourage you guys to subscribe, download, share these episodes with your friends and family. That way we can continue to remain at the top of the iTunes government and national categories. And we can continue to provide you guys with really good content. We have a few good episodes lined up for you. Uh, some guys who were on the show previously, the episodes were very popular, so I, I thought it'd be good to get them back on. And I know you guys are going to enjoy it. All right, so with that, we'll see you guys in a couple of days with another episode. Peace. <laughs>